foodie. 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 Not a foodie studio in beautiful Barstow, Queens, which is not actually a studio. It's my dining room table. It's the Not a Foodie Show. That was really good. That was a good one. That was, that was that a was, one take. Really, that was me, my radio voice. I put on my radio voice for this one. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Vacation did you good? <laughs> Welcome back, Mike. Welcome back, Tom. So that's Mike Moranti across the dining room table from me, and I am Tommy Ellie, and we are the Not a Foodie Podcast. Um, Welcome back is alluding to the fact that we were on the West Coast for a little while. California love. Okay. Um, I love California. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good time. So we went to the Winter Fancy Food Show in San Francisco, which we will be talking about. And uh, we ate some great meals in uh, Los Angeles. And so Mike had never been to L.A., right? I've never been to L.A. before this trip. But it was it was great. I'm going to be back there I said I'm going to do NOLA, and then after I do NOLA this year, I'm going to go back to L.A. You got to spend some time in L.A. Spend yeah. Spend some time in L.A. Like there's... You're, just, you're in traffic so much. You're in a car so much that like three days in L.A. And also my flight got pushed back, so I kind of got screwed for half a day. Oh. Yeah. Um, so if I had that half day, maybe I would have I would been able to do a little bit more, but I'd still want to go back. Yeah. Um, and like I got to reconnect with a friend from high school, and she has a baby now who I love. So like I just I had a really good time in L.A. Cool. Um. What was the best thing you ate in L.A.? Outside of Felix? Oh, that's right. We went to Felix. We'll talk about that. Let's, <laughs> talk, let's talk about that. So besides Felix, um, so, my, my friend Dylan, who I who put me up the whole time I was there, I told her, like, yeah, I'm just trying to eat tacos. Like, <laughs> And Dylan is a – she doesn't eat red meat. She eats chicken and uh, fish. Okay. And so she took me to her favorite taco spot called Los Aztecas and the Lengua Taco. Was, I love a good lengua. I love lengua because it's lengua's a tongue. Yes. Lengua's beef tongue. It, if you do it right in New York, I've always said it tastes like brisket. In LA, it was just like even better. I like, feel I, like it's not I, like it's definitely meaty. It's got that big meaty taste to it, mm-hmm. but it, that the texture also is is crazy. It's I don't know. I love it. I wouldn't describe it as brisket, but I really love it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of my favorite things to eat too. So that was my favorite taco. Well, then after we were done eating tacos, we were driving back and there was a sign on top of a car that said Deliciosos Papusas. Yep. And Dylan and I are very much on the same wavelength. I'm like, oh, (laughs) and pointed to it. And she just pulled over and we jumped out of the car. (laughs) Wheel screech. Yeah. So she had a queso one because she doesn't eat uh, red meat. And mine was a chicharroni queso. Mm. And the only other time I've had papusas was at the Queen's Night Market. Okay. These ones demolished those ones i demolished them there's a great mexican place here in or a dominican place actually here in in queens that um that delivers and their food is okay it's actually gone downhill but their pupusas are some of the best that i've ever tasted and it i mean i love a good tom what's a pupusa Explain um, it. Have you ever made them? No, no. never made them. I mean, <laughs> they're sort of like, I guess I would describe them as, I'm going to totally butcher it, but like a baked flour tortilla stuffed with stuff. It's almost like it, a, a Mexican um, have you ever, flour dumpling. Yeah. So <laughs> like, it, if you, it's like the size of a quesadilla, like the circumference of a quesadilla, but that they have the smaller the, ones. Yeah. They have like the maize or it's not maize. It's, um, 
it's flour, isn't it? It's not corn. No, it's more. It's a it's a whole thing. Okay. Uh, and then they put they have like the dough, and then they put the filling in the dough, wrap it around it, flatten it, and cook it. Yeah. And it, it's a beautiful dish. Yeah, it's it's more. Um, it's not like a quesadilla. It's not like where you're taking two flat tortillas and putting it on top. You're actually making like little Mexican dumplings and then flattening them on the flat top, and cooking them that way. And they are phenomenal. Um, and they're a great little hand. Cornmeal, rice flour. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So there is corn in there. Um, anyway, so let's let's masa. talk. We could that talk was the masa. Word I was looking for. Masa. We could talk more about San Francisco and Los Angeles, um, but let's talk. Let's kick it off with food news. It's food news. All right, Mike, what do you got? I've got uh, two actually. I've got I, two. One that's serious and one that's not. So I have a very serious one. Okay. Um, it started off as a tweet from at Shapim. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. her name is uh, Pim. I'm gonna totally butcher the last name, and I apologize. Techa Mwanvivi. Mm-hmm. And she owns a restaurant called King Cow in San Francisco. It's a Thai restaurant. And Seamless and Grubhub and Yelp are defrauding her and her restaurant. That's what she alleges, allegedly. Yep. Uh, apparently, they're not on any service. The but, restaurant is not on any delivery yep. service. But somebody else is on the delivery service as King Cow. Yep. And making their food, but it's not... Their food, which is disgusting yeah. and dangerous, and who who's making it? Right. You know, right. like there are like ghost kitchens, which are like a cool thing. Which well, like sometimes, like, sometimes if you know the ghost kitchen and they're yeah. not trying to pretend that there's someone else, like you know, like they don't change a vowel and say that they're La Bernadine mm-hmm. instead of La Bernadette. Oh no, no, you'll have like a burger place that's like a burger place, but then they have like twenty empanadas that they drop in the deep fryer and ship out or whatever. Like, right. That's whatever. This is like somebody is just opened up a ghost kitchen calling themselves King Cow. Right. And nobody knows who it is. Yeah. And they they put themselves on Seamless and Grubhub mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and nobody vetted them. Right. And now uh, it's a whole thing. Then th- this whole Twitter thread is really crazy. Well, I mean, I read the article that was re- that I think that she there, wrote or that someone there's wrote about a, So somebody else replied with a lot of articles. Grubhub is using thousands of fake websites to upcharge commission. What you need to know about the Grubhub website controversy uh, from Grub Street. Grubhub says it didn't create fake websites without restaurants permission from Eater. And Grubhub charging us even when our customers don't order, yeah. restaurant owner says, from the New York Post. Well, so I think that there's, I mean, there's a lot of things that are wrong with these sort of, you know, fake kitchens. Obviously, they're stealing. They're stealing intellectual property. They're stealing people's names and hard work of restaurants. But, like, one of the one of the things that I read in the article is that the chef is like, well, we purposefully do not... Offer takeout. Our food, like, yeah, a yeah, lot of our places, food is just, not meant to travel. It's not meant to travel. I mean, this is a Michelin star restaurant. This isn't like a small little neighborhood. Mm. You know, this is like a really nice. That's why restaurant. I hate caviar. And oh, caviar is the caviar. They're the high end delivery service. Yeah. I hate the idea. They're they're not doing anything like yeah, what these I mean, guys are doing. Like let's face like it, some it. foods travel well and some foods do not. And the chef should be able to say, "Look, we don't deliver this." Like you know, we don't. I fried calamari. I never order fried calamari from my pizza place. In fact. My pizza place here in Queens, if you try to order fried calamari, they tell you no. They say, mm-hmm. we're not going to deliver that to you. Because they come into a restaurant. people and call and complain. And they'll complain like, that it's all soggy. That uh-huh. it's, you know, well, that's what happens when you take something that's freshly fried and then wrap it up and ship it out for 20 minutes, you know? 
Um, so I, I, yeah, it's such a, it's very. I'm glad that she's peeling back the the curtain. I hope she sues the shit thing. out of them. I hope a whole bunch of people. Yeah, I hope every. Literally, if you own a restaurant, I hope you sue them. Well, what are your? <laughs> I have I have very specific um, qualifications on what to order from Seamless and Grubhub. Um, I usually order Indian or Thai. Well, I I mean definitely types of food, but I also I will look on Seamless. Oh, and I, like if I curries find and a shit. restaurant. If I find a restaurant that I've never heard of in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. I'll order from them once. And if I like the way that it tastes, I'll go out and I'll find that restaurant and try to, you know, sit down in there. Because, you know, then you then they don't have to worry about the fees that they're paying mm-hmm. seamless. They don't have to worry about things like that. And you have the confidence that this is actually a real restaurant. You get to see the people that are making your food, which I feel like more, more people, you know me, I mean, more people need to be more in touch with what they're eating. And... That goes for whether you know your farmer who's producing a pig for you or whether you know the person who's cooking at your restaurant for you. I also, I'm very nostalgic with uh, pulling out the the band of uh, takeout menus. <laughs> I think that there's something there that's just very nice and you're looking through all of them and you're like, well, what do I want? Blah, 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 yeah. blah. And I'd rather do that than scroll through. Also, I haven't had Seamless or Grubhub or anything on my phone for probably like six months. Okay. In an effort to just like save money and not order food when I'm stoned. So <laughs> I, it's like now I'm like. Very... Our lives are very different. I, I like, I mean, not that I'm trying not to save money and not get stoned. but I didn't say I'm trying to not get stoned. <laughs> I've got kids. And so like Seamless is a very viable option for us on a lot of nights. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I didn't. I am like it's a personal decision, right? To, like, right, right. To like better myself, <laughs> I, I don't. I only have to take care of myself and my dog. All right. Well, let's move on. Okay. I've got. I've got. I've got two things. One. Um, well, both are happy news, actually. Good. The end of an era. The spotted pig is done. Yeah. It is no I, more. So I feel really bad for all the staff. Oh yeah, of course. But fuck course. him. But like, how do you come back from? Rape charges? A rape room. A restaurant that Mm -hmm. is known for their rape room. Like, you can't come back from that, and you should not be able to. Did did you read the April Friedman article? That's her name, right? Uh, No. April. Uh, April His name's Ken Friedman. Yeah, it's April April, April Bloomfield. Did you read the article that she wrote about it? I did not, no. I just, I couldn't stomach it. I really like her. I don't. I mean, I, when, she, when I heard she was going to the spot of pig, part of me was like, oh, well, maybe she'll try to turn it all around. But then I was like, well, why? That's one of those places that should just burn to the ground, in my opinion. And it, it no, was, she was the opening chef of it. She didn't go there. She opened it. That's her restaurant. No, I know. But then she went back oh, to try okay. to. Yeah. Mm. So. But that shit was going on yeah. from day one. No, I know. And um, it was it. Was Gabby Hamilton going to go there, too, from. Um, prune yeah i I don't i read that that. too and then she backed out it's i don't know the place is toxic the place needs to (sighs) just burn to the ground and i say this as someone who at a certain point in my life this was my absolute favorite restaurant to go to um i'd go all the time yeah nudie at the spotted pig i mean thing yeah that the burger i Mm -hmm. mean and you know having the the jay-z table in the back like that was it was fun it was it was a great place but yeah i mean after and this is before all of these allegations came out you started hearing from people that worked there about how nasty that place was after hours and uh um that was it i stopped going so much 10 years ago maybe and you know now i'm happy to watch it die Mm -hmm. so big same yes um 
So there's that. Uh, that was big news. The other thing that I wanted to mention, which is not really news, but it's an interesting article that I read on Eater. And it spoke to me because this is absolutely what I do. It's why grocery stores are a must-visit travel destination. Oh, going to grocery stores in other countries is the coolest oh shit. Oh, my God. We've, how have we never talked about this before? I have no idea. I mean, we we is, talk about travel a lot. and <laughs> It's my favorite thing to do. It's my, When we were in Australia, I was in Australia with um, my family this summer, and I took my kids to the grocery store like on purpose, and we walked down the chips aisle. Just like all the crisps and all the different flavors of savory, like, you know, oh, look, here's, you know, Thai barbecue chips and here's a curry potato chip and, you know, things like that were awesome. One of my favorite things to do is like, it's like oh, my God, I can't believe it's like 20, 18 years ago. I, I spent a lot of time in Japan and my friend and I that I was traveling with, we would, you know, go out to the bars, get hammered. And then we'd stop at the little local convenience store and just play like snack roulette because we couldn't oh my read God. anything. Seven Elevens in, in Asia. Seven yeah. Elevens in Asia are a different thing. Well, and sometimes you're like sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Like sometimes you're expecting like a cheese doodle and you're eating like dried fermented shrimp. And you know, it's just I, I like dried fermented <laughs> shrimp, but it's not what I was expecting at three AM after my drunken ramen, you know? Seven elevens in like Taiwan, you can book flights and like ha- they have like banks and they're they're like they're like actual infrastructure, <laughs> little community like the hub yeah. type places. Oh man, yeah, it's um, uh, I I just the article. This is not news, but I saw it as a news article and I wanted to bring it up because we should just do a whole segment, a whole series on grocery stores around you, the world. Do you ever go shopping in Flushing? Like food shopping in Flushing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's not really any H-marts here, but they're like Flushing grocery stores are like the same thing. I go to H-mart, yeah. not not so much now because I don't live that close to one anymore, but I love H-mart. There's a giant one in Flushing that I can't remember the name of, the, the brand name of the store, but it's like going to Asian Costco. And it's like, oh, you know, do you need 20 pounds of jellyfish? Here you go. 20 pounds of jellyfish. And, you know, here's some iguana tails. And, like, just it just weird shit. You can just go buy frogs by the bulk, you know. Um, <laughs> and also, I love you know, that the, 20 pounds exists, of rice. Though. I love that, like, there's a market for this. Oh, my now. God. It's great. I love going there. When, actually, whenever I go and I make, um, you know, I make vin de pamplemousse, the, mm-hmm. like the orangey, lemony, you know, citrusy wine that I make, I go there because I just buy bulk citrus. I buy bulk produce from from this market because it's incredibly cheap and incredibly good quality nice yeah so anyway that's that's food news you got anything else for food news no i I was very angry and i got it out (laughs) all right good well why don't we take a break and uh we'll come back and we'll talk about the winter fancy food show in Mm -hmm. san francisco perfect this is the not a foodie show i'm tom and that's mike at not a foodie at not a foodie show at not a foodie show at not a foodie show on twitter and instagram and follow us on facebook and YouTube and all of the other places. And we'll be back in a second. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Mike, um, how was the fancy food show for you? Um, I felt like it was kind of long. I felt <laughs> like I'm happy we only did two days. Three days of that is very it's crazy. long. It's a, it's a great show. You meet some great people. Um, but so for, for people that don't know, the Winter Fancy Food Show um is it takes place in san francisco every year there's a summer one so there's a summer show in new york at the javits center and it's it's we've talked about it a number of times on the show before um but basically it's where 
everybody goes to go buy food. So whether you're a restaurant looking for the latest prosciutto from Italy or you're a new type of potato chip that is trying to sell to Trader Joe's, you go to this fancy food show and you can, you know, sample everything. So it takes up, I mean, airplane hangers worth of space. It's it huge. Is, it's ridiculous. There's thousands of exhibitors and thousands of people that are there. You just walk and walk and walk and, and eat and eat and, and eat and eat. Yeah. So I think, you know, as someone who I'm not going to buy lots of food. I'm not a buyer. I'm more interested in uh, finding out new food trends, seeing sort of what's happening. So I'm always looking for like really cool, interesting things. People were like, oh, are you a buyer? I'm like, no. They're like, oh, an exhibitor? I'm like, no. They're like, what are you? I'm like, I'm press. And then they say, oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they say, oh, that's nice. You want a sticker? Let me go talk to these people and hear about real shit. Um, so I, I, well, anyway, so like they're just looking at it through the lens of press like, what did you find that was story worthy? What did you find that was interesting? Um, plant based shit's not going away. It's no, only, it's only get getting bigger, bigger and bigger only and bigger. bigger. Yeah. Um, cauliflower is everywhere. <laughs> Your boy won a year supply <laughs> of cauliflower pizza. Yeah, Mike won a year supply of cauliflower pizza. I have 12 from cauliflower. Shout from out cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> That was uh, every time I go to Whole Foods, I'm just going to grab one of these coupons and walk out with a cauliflower pizza. Even if I don't cook them, I might just wind up with 12 cauliflower pizzas in my fridge. Cauliflower pizza, cauliflower chips, cauliflower chicken, cauliflower chicken nuggets. Yeah. Any sort of plant based stuff. Mm -hmm. That was pretty huge. Um, I found like that was huge. I found a a lot of the um, low ABV or no ABV cocktails. Mm -hmm. That's not going away. Fermented foods too. Fermented foods were huge. Black garlic is I I've only like heard of it and like I oh, used to like see, I used to like see it at Trader Joe's but I was never gonna like buy yeah. one. But there was a guy just like feeding you black garlic and then um our guys uh, Bravado Spice Co. Oh, that was my, that was one of my favorite moments of the show. We These did a motherfuckers hot put us through hot ones. I loved it. I mean, I you died. You, you died. I di- I did every single one. You got a tough. You com- don't have a an I old leather tongue it. like I do. I, I started from A and finished at Z. I did all of them. Yes. And it wasn't hot ones. There were no wings. There were no chips. There was just like, oh, here's try try this hot sauce. Try this hot sauce. Try this hot sauce. And one of them was um my favorite one. The, the one that they gave me to take home was. Black garlic ghost reaper sauce. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Which one did you take? I, I got two of them. I asked for... So the crimson, which I really love. The crimson, I have... I think I only have half a bottle left. Already? Everybody in my family loves it. I mean, Kristen, this morning, my wife made um savory oatmeal with like an egg on top and put that hot sauce on it. Last night, we had like a doll like soup and we stirred it in. Um, I made a quesadilla the other day and just slathered it on there. So there's that one, which they're... What did I say it was called? Crimson? No. What's it? Crimson, yeah, crimson is what you said. Yeah. So they have the crimson, then they had like an extra special crimson. We just got the regular crimson. But then the other thing that I got that was really good is the um, the basil serrano. Um, and I'm excited to put that on like seafoody type things. Um, I think that's going to be delicious. But so, yeah, they that was one of my favorite moments of the show. Um but back to the trends, I think the fermented stuff was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like there, the kimchi is having its moment. Well, okay, so right? here, here's kind of what I think it is. Korean food is having its moment. Yes. So kimchi, we've been is ahead of that. Its, curve. Yeah. So kimchi is having its moment. Well, I so feel like other fermented things are having its moment. But yeah. I think it all like 
really get got gets kicked off by Korean food. I think that Korean food in New York had its moment. Oh, it's still having its moment, but that moment started a couple of years ago. And I think that when you go to this show, you go to this trade show, you see what the mass market is mm-hmm. sort of coming, what's coming into the mass market next. Um, words, I'm putting them in the wrong order <laughs> for some reason. Anyway, so um, I feel like kimchi is one of those things. I saw five or six kimchi mm-hmm. vendors that were at this show. What, that were, Mama? Well, Mama's kimchi is always, uh, you know, Mama Mama O's yeah. kimchi. New York yeah, New York based. They're they've been around for a long time, but then you know companies from Chicago, companies that are making like kimchi blended hot sauces and mm-hmm. kimchi powder, and kimchi and, flavored chips and stuff like yeah, that. Too. Yeah, all of that stuff was like you know Korean barbecue flavored seaweed snacks was a huge thing. Um, so I, so the fermented stuff I thought was was really interesting. Um, also, the more sustainable stuff I think was really cool. Uh, yeah, these guys uh, in the incubator, all the stuff that they're doing was uh, from Ugly Foods. Yeah. They're doing like relishes and stuff like that with just Ugly Foods. And I really, really appreciated them. And, and then seafood sustainability. Yeah, the sea- the sustainability stuff. I found um, this company, Vital Farms, that mm-hmm. does this um, traceability initiative where you can trace your food, see exactly which farm it came from. I mean, obviously, that's something I'm, I'm passionate about. Um I spoke with a long time for a long time with this caviar farm from Northern California that is I like missed them. a sustainable caviar Czar Nikolai caviar and they're a sustainable handcrafted caviar farm in in uh, Northern California which Sturgeon? I thought, Sturgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're pioneers of American sustainable American caviar. Pioneers of sustainable American caviar. There we cool. go. Words again. But they were really cool. Um, they talk about like aquaponics and their closed loop cycle where they're growing the foods, they're growing the fish, and you know, all of that stuff is crazy. Um, speaking of that, Mike, you know what I'm doing tomorrow? Um, my oyster farm is kicking off. I'm doing a, I'm starting an oyster farm actually. Do you have a name for it? I do not yet. Once, once the oysters come to harvest, we'll come up with a name. You should call Mike Maranti's oysters. Why? Uh, what do you mean, why? It's a great <laughs> name. <laughs> a plus. Anyway. <laughs> um, what, what was the most interesting thing that you saw at the show? Um, like, wow, these, I can't believe these guys are doing this with food. Yeah. Anything. Or just super, it's not not like mind blowing. I mean, I don't know. My my guys from Tempesta are like just they're so good. Yeah, they do really they're, good. They're just charcuterie like, Italian. They, they blow me away all the time. Um, I I was also just like in a food haze. <laughs> um, I, I can attest to that. Yeah, yeah some of the, so. Oh, um, I had these little green hatch chili chocolate things, which were delicious. I don't. They're just like little things here and there. Oh no. My favorite thing was the meringue bar. Oh, okay, cool. It was you have you have it right. Yeah, I've got a brochure here. Somewhere. Yeah, right there. It's the flower white, the yeah. snackable meringue. So there, it's like flavored meringues, like raspberry. They were or the lemon British company, or, right? Yeah, yeah. And they they're like a hundred calories, and they're gluten free, this free, that free, and they're phenomenal. Yeah, they were good. They were flavorful. They were yeah. super flavorful and super light, and like really just like kind of like the best one of the best. Uh, dessert things i've had in a really long time they're gonna blow up whenever yeah they, yeah flour and white cool oh like flour and egg whites That's right right yeah. flour and white um the most interesting thing that i saw was from one of the incubators um and it's from a creamery um in oregon that 
So when you're when you're making cheese, they make cheese, you have curds and whey. The curds become the cheese. The whey is usually thrown away or repurposed for something else. What this company is doing is they've partnered with a local distillery and they're taking the whey and fermenting it further and distilling, distilling it, it into yeah. a vodka. And the vodka was like, obviously, this is not something that's for mass market appeal. Like, this is not something that you're going to see on your shelves somewhere. The vodka was super interesting tasting. It was super clean. It was awesome. And it was then, good vodka. And I kept asking them, like, well, you know, what grains are you using? They're like, no, you don't understand. There's no grains. <laughs> They're like, it's just way. It's just the way. <laughs> she was, like, getting upset it's, with Tom. She's yeah. like, no, it's just way. It's cheese vodka. That, like that. <laughs> that was but, 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 no, it's it's just way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there were a couple of other companies that I thought were really interesting, or a couple of other things that were really interesting. Um, and I'm, the name is escaping me right now, and it's horrible because, you know, I want to give them a shout-out. But there's these um, Kentucky um, soy sauce makers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is really super interesting. So uh, most of the soybeans in this country are exported to Japan for soy sauce, you know, for soy sauce making. Um, or most of the, I should say that most of the um, soybeans that Japan imports come from the United States. And these this company in um, Kentucky just decided that they were going to start making soy sauce on their own using traditional Japanese methods and then aging it. And, and they I, have like four levels of soy sauce. They have like yeah. four different skews of soy sauce. Yeah, and they were... I mean, the, they were the from top like good one, to great. Yeah, the top one was like some of the best soy sauce that I've ever had, and I've I did soy sauce tastings in Japan. You know, like traditional. That was really really interesting. Salsa is going to be, I guess salsa is always big, but I feel like there were some really incredible salsas that we were having. I just feel like salsa is a low barrier to entry thing, and every time I go to a show, there's new salsas. Everyone's trying to you know market a salsa. Um, was there one in particular that jumped out? The at New you? York one. The uh, New York know. chef, the one, they gave us the hats. Oh, yeah. I thought that was an interesting story. I thought the salsa tasted good, but... I and mean, him and then the other one, um, it was like his aunt's recipes, and we, it was on the corner booth. Me and you were both there. I don't know. It was super spicy. It was like blow your pants off oh, spicy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was like the traditional Mexican. It was yeah. the, like a Oaxacan uh, it salsa. It just beat you in the face with like heat. Yeah. I mean, I think that Oaxaca, the Oaxacan region of Mexico, is is going to have its moment soon. It's already coming with. It's already come through with mezcal. Mezcal is more popular than it's ever been. But traditional Oaxacan food, where it's like that deep spice, but also complex flavors, like that, that's coming through in more Mexican food these days. I think that's going to be a food trend to look out for. So, um, you want to take a break and uh, talk about uh, Los California, Angeles dining? Yeah. Dining. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a break. This is Not A Foodie Show at Not A Foodie Show on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to be back in like, you know, a second because we're not going to put a commercial in between this segment. Just a beep. Beep. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, we'll just talk about Felix. And tacos. And tacos. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about tacos. Yeah. Felix it is. Right? Yeah. Do you have the book? Yeah, it's right there. Evan Funke is his name, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. And we're back. I told you there was just a beep, and that was it. <laughs> so 
when we went to California, Mike, Mike and I, like, I don't, we weren't like, you know, sharing hotel rooms, buddy, buddy. We just both ended up in LA. Uh, Los Angeles. I wanted and, to go on vacation. Right. And, and I, I was going to see some friends in LA and Mike was going to see some friends in LA. So we were both in LA at the same time. So we were like, let's figure out a meal that we want to eat together in Los Angeles. I was all the way on the West side. You were all the way in like Pasadena. Yeah. Right. So like we were like, let's pick a restaurant and that's it. So I've become obsessed with um, a cookbook that I got for Christmas. Um, Mike, what is it? I can't read the name of it. American Sfuglino. American Sfuglino. So it's by Evan Funke and he owns a um a restaurant or he's the chef at a restaurant in uh venice california and everybody that i asked that like i knew goes to uh, la a lot i was like where do i have to eat Mm -hmm. everybody said felix yeah i mean it's well i mean not to spoil it for you but the meal was top five pasta meals of my like the pasta itself we only top five talk pasta. about pasta dinners here yeah and this was a, <laughs> a an incredible his whole thing is i think he's got a hashtag that's like fuck your pasta machine or something like that like basically everything should be hand rolled you should never put anything in a pasta machine and in this restaurant in the center of this restaurant is this big glass cube room that is temperature and humidity controlled that is just a giant wooden table with giant wooden rolling pins and instruments where he makes pasta and he's just in there like. he's just in there making he's a past uh, a, a master pasta maker a master sfogliano <laughs> and he studied in bologna which i again top five pasta meals of my life um two of them were in bologna and it's it's the pasta capital of the world it's just amazing they do some really great stuff so i think that was uh, that's where we decided to meet, and it was mm-hmm. like the we best couldn't meal. get a reservation. Could not get a reservation. We got there at five thirty on the nose, and there was a line out the door. Like there was a line of thirty people waiting mm-hmm. to get in when we got there at five thirty when the restaurant opened. At five thirty in yes. California, in California, at five thirty. <laughs> yes, Our, right next to Venice Beach at five thirty. Yes, and so they sat us at the communal table with uh, Tom's friend was with us. Shout out, Tom. And we did a round of cocktails. We, then let's go with the bread. Oh man, this I—they I, I charged confident. us ten dollars for this bread. I am confident to say that this is the best, absolute one hundred percent best focaccia bread that I've ever had in my life. Like so much of the fact where I was like, I didn't even think that this—it was possible to make a focaccia like. This. It was like if bread was medium rare. <laughs> like that's the the only way I can like describe it to somebody. The texture of the bread, the well, the way it was baked. It was like it was cooked all the way, but it wasn't. Right. It was perfect. I mean, the outside was super crispy and super like super dark and olive oily and herbs and salt and perfect. But it was really just super crispy on the outside. And then the inside, when you cut it open, it was like the steam comes out. It was light and fluffy and deep and just delicious. It was literally the best focaccia that I've ever had in my life. And I don't throw around things like that, yeah. Like, you know, um, so that was delicious. And then what else did we get? We got the, the gomberry, uh, the shrimp. Yes, that was delicious. The they head were on prawns. They were blue, whole blue shrimp, it's entirely edible, whole thing. Yeah. So Mike asked me like afterwards, I was like, "Where'd your shrimp go?" <laughs> I was like, "I just ate it." He's like, "What about the shells?" I was like, "No, you can eat the shells." Like I, this blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if you have so most of the shrimp that we eat in this country is you know you don't of, eat shrimp. I don't like shrimp in this country because most of the shrimp that we get in this country comes from like Asia, um, and it's first of all it's not frozen. sustainably raised. Um, it's always frozen, and it. I mean, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of problematic things with the shrimp industry. Some of you know there's a lot of slave labor involved and things like that. Also, I don't like the fact that we're eating something that had to come all the way from the other side of the world, like, and it's not fresh, you know? So I don't, I don't eat a lot of shrimp. I like shrimp. I don't eat a lot of shrimp. Yeah. My kids love shrimp. We try, I try not to, you know, feed them much shrimp. So, but this was Pacific Ocean fresh shrimp. From and, uh, this place. Too, yes. Like, yeah, from there. And, you know, because of that it's you know really the the skin is really or the shell is sort of really thin the meat is really juicy um and the way that they cook it with a lot of you know hot oil and fry it all real quick in or saute it with a hot oil in the pan the the shell becomes really thin and crispy so yeah i just (laughs) popping the whole thing in my mouth um so that was delicious what else first pasta course timbalo timbalini Baked spaghetti, like to look like a little drum, with a bunch of cheese and tomato sauce. Yeah, which I it, it was delicious, but it was my least favorite. If that time. was a pasta at any other restaurant, it would be that restaurant's best pasta. Yes, and it was the third best out of the three that we tried. Also, shout out to our waitress for she literally <laughs> forced the pasta out from her least favorite to her absolute favorite, <laughs> and it was also the was, one that was good to the one that was the best. I know. Oh man, it was that was that was key too because you would think that the Timolino, like you would serve that last, but yeah, it was probably heavy. the heaviest, mm-hmm. but. I um yeah, I mean, it was delicious, but it was my least favorite out of all of them. Also, I ordered a bottle of wine, uh, Oki Pinti Frappato from Sicily. It was perfect, mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. With Eat the a meal. Frappato, yes. Second pasta was the Rigatoni Amatriciana. Yep, Amatriciana, one of the four classic pastas of Rome. You know that if you listen to our pasta episode, uh, you take guanciale, which is pork jowl, which they get from California, mm-hmm. local California pork. Uh, San Marzano tomatoes and a little bit of uh, Pecorino Romano, and it was a rigatoni, but it was like a rigatoni mezze, like a giant rigatoni, and it was and hand-made it was a handmade rigatoni. rigatoni. And best rigatoni I've ever had. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you there. Like, I don't think I've ever insane. had fresh rigatoni before. It was, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was so good, and it held the sauce perfectly. I mean, that was, uh, like, we could have stopped right there and said that was the best. That 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 would have been in the best three or top five pasta meals of my life just with that right there. But then we moved on to the next course, which was the orquette. Oh my god! It's like so orquette or like if if you know, there's the little tiny ears. They're called little ears. Um, and a very popular Italian American dish is the orquette with broccoli rabe and sausage. Um, this was orquette, which like giant ears, massive, massive orquetto, if or, you would, I guess, and then. Lots of um, pork sugo, yeah, pork sugo. So like a a pork sauce and ground pork. So it was like that traditional sort of sausage flavor. Um, it had a little spice to it. There was some shaved cheese on top. Mm-hmm. I forget what it a was. hard Italian cheese. It wasn't like pecorino or parmigiano, no, but it was amazing. It was amazing. And for that one, I took one bite into it. I was ahead of them. I took <laughs> one bite into it. I was like, this is the best pasta. And they're like, How, what? No, the rigatoni is. I was like, no, you haven't had this yet. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, 
this is yeah you're right this is the best pasta yeah and it was i i feel like the because everything is handmade that really came through on the last dish on the urquette because you got a lot of surface area you're the texture of the pasta was, you know like you got a little bit of wood grain sort of coming it through. had a bite like yeah mm-hmm. it was it was delicious it was the best so anyway Moral of the story, go to Felix and wait online and for the 530. If you can't get a reservation, go for the 530 seating, sit at the communal table. I told all my friends in L.A. they have to go to Felix now. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's crazy good. And I'm so happy that it's there. I mean, honestly, 100% the best pasta restaurant in California. Um, Probably in, on the West Coast. Well, in the I, West I don't part know. Of the I'm going to say States. L.A. because I, I don't know. But. I will say that um, you could drop that restaurant in New York, which, you know, arguably has better pasta restaurants and it will more than hold its own. It would, it would, be would top still five be in, in the top five in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really phenomenal. Um, and that's that. I went to the spot called Pickle Lily with my friend. Mm-hmm. It just opened. So, like, I got to be like a trendy L.A. person and go to, like a brand new restaurant. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Nice. And it was cheap. It, we got like six dishes and two desserts and it came out to 110 was it um italian no mix just, just mix yeah like a american where they just like this dish is indian inspired this dish is korean inspired oh, cool. this dish is blah, blah, blah. and the the worst thing that we got was the beef tartare and it was still good and then the stuff that was like really good was like oh my god it was it was a really great restaurant they're gonna do really really well I, um, but it's in Culver City and nobody goes there. No one goes to Culver City. Yeah. <laughs> I bopped around a lot, man. And I also kept my oyster streak going. I, I ate a lot of oysters. I didn't eat enough just... seafood. That was like my, I was just there to eat tacos. So I wound up not eating seafood. I, I ate oysters every day that I was there just because I think um, I met a lot of friends and they follow me on social media and they're like, oh, Tom's the oyster guy. We got to take him to an oyster bar. So I went to three different oyster bars like while I was there, which was uh, pretty incredible. I had a very disappointing experience at Koji. Koji. Roy oh, Troy's. oh, Roy Choice, yeah. So there's the taco trucks, and then he has one brick and mortar also in Culver City. Mm-hmm. Everything was so salty. You didn't like it? No, it was everything was too salty. It was, I sent them an email about it. Mm. I was like, I don't know if it was just like that day or whatever. <laughs> but I like, just picture you sitting next to your dear sirs. I was like, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Roy Choi and what he does for the community, and I, I like watching him on the chef show and everything I've seen him in. And everything was just so salty. Your name is Doris from like Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I That's what you are. My... You are a middle-aged woman from I was the like, Midwest. Listen, I just want you guys to like. <laughs> I hope that this was just like a one-time problem, and like you correct it and like crush it. It's right. Like that was. Eh. Oh, the flavors were good. That did, when it didn't taste like salt. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, uh, hopefully, it's constructive. It's taken yeah. as constructive criticism I, in I the spirit of which it is mean. intended. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. Um, let's take a break and talk about cocktails. Cocktails sounds good. All right, well, this is not a foodie show. We'll be back in uh, after the beep, and we're back. Not a foodie show at not a foodie show on Twitter at not a foodie show on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're all over the place. We are worldwide on social media. We're bi coastal now, uh, so it's that time of the show. My favorite time of the show. We spent a long day podcasting, uh, getting ready to kick back, light a fire in the fireplace, you know, and uh, have a cocktail. Yeah. So, Mike, what are you drinking tonight? So, uh, to follow the trend of low ABV cocktails, mm-hmm. and it is very cold, 
it we I feel like when we were in New York in the beginning of January, it wasn't that cold, and then we went to L.A. and San Francisco, which wasn't cold. But now it's like thirty-two degrees. Like now it's, it's just no, cold. Now you're just soft. Yeah. L.A. made you soft. <laughs> now I'm just cold. So yeah. um, you want I think, a shawl? <laughs> I think I'm gonna have a a hot apple cider with a shot of Fireball. <laughs> okay, just keep wow. me nice and warm. You really are Doris from Sheboygan. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it's the most Midwest, yeah, Midwest old lady. You you should just, just definitely uh, curl up a, with a hot apple cider, a shawl, a, a and virgin a, apple, not like a spiked apple cider, like a no, apple, an apple cider, cider and a shot of fireball and a shot of fireball. That I so at tell my, me that doesn't sound delicious though. At my fall pig roast that I have on the North Fork, um, we have like an apple cider bar, and like I I. Get a hot apple, a whole big thing, like a slow cooker, put some mm-hmm. hot apple cider in it. We mold the cider. And then next to it, we have, you know, Fireball, Captain rum, Morgan, Captain, yep. yeah, Captain Morgan, bourbon, you know, so people can adult up their, their thing. But so I am, I am 100% behind the Fireball in the hot apple cider. I think that's, that's a good, <laughs> that's a, that's a tailgate party drink. That's what that is. When we played rugby and the girls rugby team would come and watch us, that's just what they would be drinking on the sidelines the whole time. <laughs> When I was in college, it wasn't invented yet. Actually, when I was in college, Rumplemints was invented. Goldschlager, no, Goldschlager. That's what I was gonna say. Not Rumplemints. Oh, no, Rumplemints taste like mint. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Goldschlager was was the fireball of my day, <laughs> and I think there's still a bottle of Goldschlager in my uh, bar back there. Hopefully, I'm pretty sure there is. <laughs> um, all right. Well, my drink is. Uh, I don't know if I've done this one before. The hanky panky. No, you post. You talked about it on the pasta post. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I used to drink a lot of, and then I was going through my time hop, um, and I saw that. Oh, what happened to the hanky panky? I haven't had that for a while. It's it's a um, a winter cocktail for me, um, but it is very high ABV. Um, so basically, it is um, sweet vermouth and uh, gin and fernet. Sweet vermouth and gin, and so it's like a Negroni. It's a Negroni, it's a Negroni but Negroni, but you using swap out the Campari the, for, for the Fernet for Fernet, and you serve it up in a uh, you know martini glass and a coupe glass. Sounds disgusting. I know because you hate Fernet. I like Fernet on tap now. <laughs> I'm a San Franciscan. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you were a Los <laughs> Angeles. I went to San Francisco once, and now I like Fernet on tap. And Tom went to Felix once, and now he makes ridiculous pasta from scratch. <laughs> I've always made ridiculous pasta from no, scratch. Those were. Those caramel things were ridiculous. Beautiful, right? You know what? Three people, three separate people DM'd me saying that I need to do the Dolly Parton challenge and use that caramel as as like, I don't know, the Tinder one, I guess. But And I was like, and I was like half jet lagged and half drunk while I was making the pasta. And I'm like, wait, what's the Dolly Parton has a pasta podcast? I don't understand what's going on. I got to go on the Dolly Parton show. And then I realized what people were talking about. I'm like, oh yeah. I didn't realize till the next morning. I was like, ha ha ha. Yeah, I'm right. That's funny. And then I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so yes. Um, so drinking last weekend, I was drinking hanky pankies and making uh, pasta from Evan Funke's book. I don't even know if it's Funke. It's F-U-N-K-E. I just I pronounced just it pronounced like Arrested it, Development. I pronounced it like Arrested Development too. So... <laughs> But it's a great book. Um, anyway, that's it. That's the Not A Foodie Show. Mike? At anything? Not A Foodie Show on Instagram, Twitter, at Mike Moranti, at Team Miale, at Not A Foodie Show on YouTube. On YouTube. We've got YouTube. a YouTube channel. YouTube. 
Um, and that's it. So we'll be back uh, shortly. And if Next you week. have anything that you want to say to us, any um, corrections on the way that we pronounce people's names or cocktail recipes or things that you want us to discuss, feel free to DM us, reach out to us. Oh, you know what I missed for food trends real quick? What? Chips that aren't potato chips, like lotus root chips. Oh, yeah, chips. yeah, yeah. Lotus root chips. It can be all over like the place. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's it. Final that's, thought. That's your final thought? <laughs> yeah. Right. My final thought is let's uh, let's all watch the spotted pig burn and take some. That's it. Um, that's it. Goodbye. See it.